Welcome, cultivators of the future. Welcome to Aster Education. I am your host and facilitator, Robert Ashwood, and I'm I'm feeling great today. The sun is the sun is shining. Can't even say sun properly, but um, the sun is in fact shining outside. It's beautiful, 72 degrees, I believe. Um, nice temperature right now. But um, yes. So today on Aster Education, we're going to be talking about ways of teaching now for some reason you know i had some implicit you know feeling to just jump right into all the problems of all the problems of schooling you know um but i this is not the time to harp on the problems of official schooling or you know talk about you know what needs to be done yet you know don't worry we'll get there we'll talk about those issues and we'll, we'll, we'll try to find some fresh solutions to old problems. But right now, let's discuss the ways of teaching. Yep, you guessed it. It's a disclaimer. Now, these ways of teaching, again, are not going to be the only ways of teaching. They're just the, the few that I came up with at the moment. Uh, if I were to sit down right now and like write down some more, I, I probably can come up with more. Uh, but this is where you guys come in. You know, if you have any ideas, uh, if you have any other ways of teaching, you know, something that that's fresh, something that we haven't really that we don't really think of. And guys, I don't know if I've ever made it clear, but when you send in these new ideas, it'll really start opening up the the, I, the, the conversation, you know, to, well, new and improved ways of doing things. You know, we want to really add on to what we already know so that way we can come to new understandings and new insights. So, yeah, please do send in those ideas and perhaps I'll even do an episode on them, too. You know, if I get enough ideas or if I let's see what I can come up like, together with, collaborate some ideas together, make them talk to each other. Let's see. Let's get a conversation going. Let's get a stew going. Right. All right. Please go ahead. Shoot me an email at aster.educationr1 at gmail.com car passes by continue uh so aster.educationr1 at gmail.com shoot me your ideas their different methods your new and improved groundbreaking ways of teaching and if you're on the twitter shoot me up at twitter at aster under underscore education all right showtime official schooling everybody's favorite topic in the general school system, students are provided with a variety of different sources that supply them with fast access to information. Teachers, textbooks, and educational documentaries are all parts of the schooling system that are designed to expose students to new information. This type of teaching is an active effort to reveal information to students. See, the main tool in the utility belt of official schooling is the Common Core Curriculum. The goal here is to provide students with a foundation of knowledge in which they can refer back to via their memory. Official schooling seeks to make us aware of achievements of other humans throughout history, while in effect really turning us into efficient worker bees. This method of exposure of information is administered and regulated with a particular schedule and duration. You see, a big problem that I see in education is the problem of time. 
because in schools, it's always a like we have to co- we have to cover this information by you know April or we have to do this before the test or we are always constantly rushing to cover the information without actually internalizing like how I keep saying internalizing and really trying to know striving to construct knowledge for ourselves and really seeking to see how that information or see how that insight is relevant to us and our lives. You know, because when it boils down to it, what we're learning needs to matter to us in some way. You know, like these random facts that we learn, we don't use them. They're useless to us. The goal here in official schooling is to make us aware of things that people did throughout history. Not things that we can do, but things that other people have done. It is organized in a way to let you know about the various facts, occurrences, and ways of thought again, of others throughout humanity. Self-teaching. The next type of informational exposure method to take note of is self-teaching. So as as the name kind of sounds pretty obvious, right? Self-teaching involves one, exposing themselves to new information. So question, just because you teach yourself how to do something, does that mean you learned how to do it? My answer would be no. Uh, you teaching yourself just means you are exposing yourself. I can expose myself all I want to about emotional intelligence, about anti-racism, about you know buying rental properties, whatever it is. But if I don't actually start doing those things, you know, and start you know using it, like a pra- gaining a practical comprehension where I can use it in my daily life, um, in effect, if I don't absorb it into my person then the learning has not occurred. So you see with this idea of teaching here, teaching has exposure. This is what I'm trying to to get to you guys. Teaching involves exposing a concept, just revealing it to you. It doesn't mean that learning occurs. No, nothing happens after that. Boom. I expose it. Job done. Teaching over. Learning is its own separate thing. While official schooling inculcates discipline into its students via rules and regulations, self-teaching requires a person to create and utilize their own discipline in order to be diligent in their studies. In self-teaching, you're required to have, one, a desire to absorb new information, and two, consistency and diligence in your efforts of inquiry. It's really heavily dependent on your own personal motivation, you know? And this is interesting because this self-teaching has a lot to teach us. You know, (laughs) I don't mean to kind of use the same word there, but thinking about what education is, in my mind, education is meant for improvement, right? Like that is what education's purpose is meant to improve and customize us. Uh, So when we, when we engage in, you know, self-teaching, we're trying to customize ourselves. We're trying to improve ourselves in some way, you know, we have to make sure that occurs. And if it doesn't, then, well, we didn't learn anything. And that teaching was ineffectual. Acquisition of values, or in other words, cultural teaching. So check this out. This type of knowledge exposure may have the greatest effect on the development of an individual simply because it's been pervading one's mind since birth. Like, I mean, think about it. Like when we're born into the American culture, we're constantly being told to buy something, right? Like buying or selling is a constant thing about our culture, right? Or for instance, wanting to be happy or you know, being greedy, like that's kind of things that we're associated with because we want a lot, right? Um, And that's just part of the culture, right? So 
these different ideas are kind of instilled just automatically, like without even anybody trying to do it. It's just that what we're like kind of swimming in, right? Um, so that's why I say cultural teaching or acquisition of values, right? Because it's more than just traits like, oh, you know, I want a lot of things. Like it's other deeper values things, you know, like even racist value, like racism is sometimes is learned, right? You know, you kind of inherit that. Um, so th this is very important how we're kind of educating our students, how we're educating our learners. We got to be aware of what cultures they're coming from, what ideas are already ingrained, what kind of unlearning do we have to do? And then, you know, moving forward toward teaching towards a more humanistic, more human centered, more whole person centered style. I would classify this knowledge of exposure the most active because it's ongoing, as I've said. Each moment, an individual of a certain culture is bombarded with messages, subtle gestures, actions, etc., that tell information about that particular culture, what it's involved in, and how one should actually behave in that culture. The main focus of cultural teaching here is to have individuals comport themselves in a manner that aligns with that specific culture's be beliefs. This form of teaching specifically involves the youth because they're the most common ones that are absorbing, like they're most re receptive to new ideas. So they're the ones absorbing these new ideas and, you know, attempting to obtain a practical comprehension of the immediate world around them. Hey, look, they're trying to do things right. They're afraid of doing things wrong. They don't want their parents to be mad. They don't want people to make fun of them. So they're following the cultural norms. You know, this has its benefits if the cultural norms are geared toward humanistic values. And obviously on the opposite end, it has its drawbacks. When we take a look at cultural teaching, it's important to note that this form of revealing information is a bulk of where an individual grounds their values and belief systems. That is why this method of teaching is especially delicate. After all, the status of one's values plays a big role in shaping how they view and behave in the world. Unlike official schooling, this form of teaching is not administered. Instead, it is naturally and organically ingrained into the individual for the duration of them living in their native culture. Un until, of course, they move to some other culture for the same process to be repeated. Or if they create their own reality and start their own culture. Acquisition of values is overtly and covertly disseminated. And it is present in various aspects of life. Interestingly enough, Acquisition of values actually takes on the engaged education style, as I've mentioned in early episodes, education as a mindset. The consistent presence of culture is what makes it so effectual. So just consider for age, for youths age 0 to 18 in particular, acquisition of values can positively or negatively affect their outlook on education, their exposure to knowledge, and the way they engage in the world. For instance, if a culture prioritizes rest, relaxation, and consumption, that those individuals of that culture might be less inclined to seek out knowledge or you know, to take big actions. They may be accustomed to only doing what is expected of them so they can get back to their cultural comfort zone or you know, the norm, what's deemed acceptable. But consider on the opposite end of the spectrum, a culture that deeply values the acquisition of knowledge. Surely it follows that members from this culture will be more likely to gain knowledge. 
In essence, cultural upbringing exposes one to certain knowledge, beliefs, and modes of being in the world. In addition to this, it can also have effect an effect on the way one perceives education. So I, I didn't mention this, and I'm sorry I'm mentioning this so late, but cultural teaching and child rearing, in my mind, kind of go hand in hand um, because, in effect, they do the same thing. They're both ongoing. Uh, they're both organic. Um, we're not doing them on purpose. Um, you know, we should be doing them on purpose, purposely, purposefully oriented toward, you know, the full human person. And I'll talk about that in future episodes. Thus, it is imperative that we do not limit our conception of teaching or what it involves. As we have seen, there are various types of teaching and not just this standard official schooling that is popularized. And I'm hoping that you guys send me again your ideas, any ideas. I'm taking any ideas, um, you know, the great ones, the ones that you just did on the fly. Does it matter? Let's take them and let's use them as a launching pad to come to newer, more groundbreaking ideas. Hopefully, the exploration of these different styles aided in providing a more comprehensive view of teaching and its overall function in education. Remember, teaching as exposure, not so much as explaining. It is explaining, but it's more so revealing. To reiterate, teaching is the beginning of education. It is the attempt to explain new information to an interlocutor. But more importantly, as I've already just mentioned, it is the initial exposure of knowledge to an individual. But remember, educators, educators talking to you specifically right now, just because you expose a person to knowledge and you do your absolute utmost positive best to explain that new information that is being revealed to them, it's not a guarantee that the recipient will actually comprehend what you're saying. You know, it is here at this very precise moment from exposing one to information to the absorbing of that information from the learner, by the way, because the learner is responsible for absorbing that information, not you, that the learning lacuna is found. So again, at the precise moment from exposing one, one to information to that person absorbing that information, that's where this learning gap occurs, right? The learning lacuna. The learning lacuna is the gap that takes place between teaching and learning. It occurs when new concepts are explained to an interlocutor, and these ideas are just assumed to be received and understood without the learner really actually absorbing the information. Simply stated, the learner, the learning lacuna is proof that exposure and explanation of a concept is not a guarantee that an individual will absorb and retain the new information. So consequently, learning is going to be the second component on the list of essential qualities that we talked about, you know, the, the central list of education. And again, that list is a running list. You you guys can add to the list. Please, please do add to the list. Email me, Twitter me, tweet me. It is assumed learning, learning is assumed to be a part of teaching. A lot of people think of them as intertwined. Some people even combine the phrases together to teaching and learning, right? You even see that together in, in schools, right? However, I posit that its relation to teaching and an overall function, it, in essence, it's not the same. Like, they're not the same thing. They're not together. They're dependent, but apart. Okay? So that's their relation. They're, they're dependent on one each other. They're, like, they have some relation, 
but they are they occur at different moments and in different people, right? Teaching occurs in the teacher. Learning can only be actualized by the learner. The teacher can never actualize learning in the learner. That's a very important point. All right, all right. Let me slow down. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit. So, guys, that's all I have for you today. Um, again, follow me on Twitter at Aster underscore education. Send me an email, aster.educationr1 at gmail.com. Feel free to send me your questions, your episode ideas, your thoughts on teaching, your thoughts on learning. So that's going to be actually the next episode. We're going to be talking about learning and just exploring what it is, um, the different styles of learning, what is its significance in education. You know how we do things here at Esther Education. So yes, thank you again for tuning in. All right, cultivators of the future, I will see you guys later. And remember, stay cultivating.